Good morning. This is Pastor Jeff Harris, and I want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you're listening, someone who cares about you shared with you this link, whether it be by a piece of literature uh, that they handed out to you, or maybe through social media or a social media link that you found. But regardless, someone cares enough about you to share with you this link. And so my goal in this podcast here today is not to change your culture or convince you to come to my church. It is the desire of my heart to tell you about the hope that I was given many years ago by my mother who loved me. Uh, This hope has carried me through many trials and tragedies in my life. Uh, The greatest need we all have as humans is hope. Uh, That is what I received almost 50 years ago and what I want to share with you today. The greatest questions that we all want to have answered is where did we come from and what is going to happen to me after I leave this life? The Bible is one of the oldest books written by humans that gives us the answers to these questions and it also gives us hope as a result. Don't discredit the Bible, though, today, because it was written by humans. The Bible, though, is the only book that has human writers with the divine author. Uh, We can say that the Bible is the only book that is divinely inspired or God-breathed. In other words, God spoke through human writers to pin his word for mankind, where we came from and where we're going. The Bible tells us, as we start our thoughts here in this podcast, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Those first three words are areas that we can all agree on in the beginning. We all agree that there was a beginning. There's a a beginning to this world. There's a beginning to our universe. Uh, Where some people part ways is in that fourth word, in God created. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, The Bible tells us in John chapter number one and verse number one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Before the world as we know it began, God was already in existence, and God created our world and our universe so that it could sustain the human life he wanted to place in his creation. God did this because he wanted to have a relationship with the human life he desired to create. God created everything in an order so that it would sustain what he created the very next day. In the last day of his creation, we are told, day six, he created human life. God said in creation of that human life, we're told in Genesis chapter number one, beginning in verse number 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. The image of God was a three-part being. We can see this in the writing of the creation account in Genesis chapter number 1, the three distinct persons of the unity of the one God who created. We are told in the beginning, God, that is Elohim, the Father created, we are told in verse 1. As the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters, we are told in verse 2, And then God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and that we see in verse number 3. 
That was the word of God, which the New Testament confirms for us is God the Son or Jesus the Christ. God's image is a three-part being in one God, and God made humans in his image, body, soul, and spirit. In Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 7, we are told, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We see here the body from the dust of the ground, the breath of God, or the spirit of God, breathed into the human form, and now man became a living soul. Along with the image of God, man was also given the likeness of God. But what is the likeness of God? Well, the word likeness is defined as like manner. What is the manner of God? Well, God chose to create. He chose to create, and he chose the plan and purpose of his creation. God is then a free moral agent with the ability to choose for himself or to make choices for himself. You see, God wanted to have a relationship with man, and so he made man in his image and in his likeness. But for man to have a choice... There had to be something to choose. So, God placed a rule on the humans he created. In Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 15, we are told, And the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. If there is going to be a relationship, if there's going to be love in that relationship, and if there's going to be fellowship in a relationship, there must be the right to choose. That is a free will. And free will requires choice. And so God gave a law and thus a right to choose. We can always make our own choices, but we cannot always choose the outcome of those choices. God said you have the ability to choose But if you choose against my law and partake of the knowledge of good and evil, ye shall surely die. In that, they had no control over the outcome of their choice. Man did choose to take the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Their eyes were open to that in which God had protected them from, the knowledge of good and evil. The Bible tells us that they immediately knew shame. They had never known that before. The first humans did not die a physical death that day, but God said they would surely die. They did die a death that day. They did die a death that day that they would pass along to all their children after them that extends to us today. We are told in Genesis chapter number 5 and verse number 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in his likeness of God made he him. Notice in that verse that no longer is the mention of the image of God or the three-part being. It was a spiritual aspect of man that died that day. The Bible goes on in verse 2 to say, Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. All humans now enter this world in the image and likeness of their father and mother Adam. It is our sin that separated us from a holy and a pure God. In Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 12, we are told, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. 
Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 59, verse number 2, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Man lost their spiritual part of the likeness of God. We are told in the Bible, in John chapter number 4 and verse number 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For man to be able to have a relationship with God from Adam on through us today, there must be a return to us of the spiritual aspect of our being. But how can that happen? Can we be good and do good and be obedient to all of God's laws and work our way back to this position? The Bible tells us no. In Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 8, the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then in Galatians chapter number 2 and verse number 16, we are told, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Dear soul, the Bible is clear that we can never do enough good works to get us in a right standing before a holy God. In fact, we are told in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When we have done the best that we could do, when we think we are better than anybody else that's ever done good on this earth, we still fall short of the glory of God. You see, dear soul, we must compare ourselves to a holy and a pure God. And when we do, we will see our sinful state. What does all this mean for me and where I'm going in my life once I die and I leave this earth for eternity? Well, in Romans chapter number 6 and verse number 23, we are told for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We already know that this death is not the physical death because we saw in Genesis the account of Adam and Eve and taking of the fruit and eating it. So what death is this that he is referring to here in Romans 6.23? The wages of sin is death. In Revelation chapter number 20 and verse number 14, we are told death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And then in Revelation chapter number 21 and verse number 8, we are told, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What we owe, the wage of our sin, is an eternity in the lake of fire, what some call hell. It is a place of eternal torment that was not created by God for man, but for the devil and his fallen angels. But that is the outcome of sin. Are we then doomed because of our sin? Well, yes and no. You see, there is hope. There was a religious man who came to Jesus in secret asking him for hope. Let's notice the words that Jesus said to him in John chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, 
Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Nicodemus knew there was something different about Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus Christ must have the answers, and he was coming to Jesus Christ for hope. In verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Jesus told this man that he needed to be born again. Born not of a physical birth, but spiritual. How does that happen? In John chapter number 3, Jesus continued teaching Nicodemus. And in verse number 14, we are told, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then we come to one of the most famous verses in the world, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus the Christ had to be lifted up on the cross, that through his death, burial, and resurrection, we might be able to have the forgiveness of sin through his work, and a restoration of our relationship with God. What do we do? Well, first, dear soul, we realize that we are all sinners compared to a holy and a pure God, and that any effort on our own will always fall short. Second, we must confess that Jesus is God and came to this earth through robing himself in human flesh to pay the debt that we all owe for sin. We are told in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are also told in Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then in verse 13, the Bible tells us, For whosoever shall call, upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Dear soul, if you are willing to use your right to choose right now, to take your faith and believe in the work and person of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and to pay the debt of sin you owe, God promised he would give you a new birth, a spiritual birth, and that is eternal life. Right now, where you are, from your heart and sincerity, speak to God. Say something like this, Jesus, I have heard today the testimony from the Word of God about your work you did for me 
to forgive my sin, allowing me to go to heaven when I leave this earth. Today, I realize and I confess that you are God, and I believe in your work that you did for me through your death, your burial, and your resurrection. I now call upon you in faith and humbly ask for you to forgive my sin and give me your salvation that you promised. I'm not trusting in anything other than you, Jesus. Please continue to work in my life that I may learn more and grow close to you. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me a new life in you. Amen. I hope you formed your personal call to God today for your salvation, because that means that you now have the hope of eternal life that is only found in Jesus Christ. You know where you came from now, and you know where you're going. There is so much to know and learn now that you're saved. You need to find a good Bible teaching church so that you can grow in your life in Christ Jesus. If you need help, you can contact my church, the Woodridge Baptist Church of Woodridge, Illinois. We have a discipleship program we would also be glad to send along to you to help you understand more about your new life that you receive today in Jesus Christ. I hope and pray that today you receive that hope that you've been seeking.